Welcome to the Perimenopausal Mamas Podcast for hormonal mamas who want to reclaim their own natural state of health to thrive and raise healthy kids. I'm Dr. Lisa Weeks, naturopathic doctor in Toronto, Canada. I'm a perimenopausal mama to my toddler named Stuart. And I'm Dr. Tony Reed. I'm a naturopathic doctor, birth doula, and hypnobirthing educator in Calgary, Alberta. And I'm a perimenopausal mama to my little girl, Frankie. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not meant to substitute professional medical advice. Always consult with your licensed healthcare provider. Welcome back, everyone, to the Perimenopausal Mamas podcast. Today, I have a repeat guest, Charmaine Abby Singh. She was currently on episode 79. Um, you'll have to check that one out because it was one of the, the favorites that we heard from our listeners. And it was all about listening to your body, embodied intuitive movement. Today, we're going to talk about about libido and a unique approach to low libido that so many women start to experience, I find, in their late 30s, early 40s, um, where perimenopause may be starting. And there can be a whole host of factors, you know, looking at not sleeping, hot flashes, having vaginal dryness, maybe some discontent with some body changes that are happening. But Charmaine's approach, I think, is going to be really unique because she's going to be talking about how to reignite pleasure and libido in perimenopause using movement medicine. So before we dive in, I'll first introduce Charmaine. So Charmaine Abbasing is a spiritual and somatic movement coach for women. Her areas of focus are the inter play between the body, brain, emotional, and energetic self, and how we can influence these through movement. Having experienced developmental trauma growing up and complex trauma in adulthood, Charmaine has a deep understanding of how trauma can shape your life. While being an educator for 19 years, she is adept at simplifying complex information so that it is not only easily digestible, but fun as well. Charmaine has two brilliant boys, age 12 and 9, and is in a committed, loving relationship of over 20 years with her loving and supportive husband, Sanka. When they are not cooking or enjoying a takeout meal together, they can be found enjoying the outdoors, playing board games with their children, or just puttering around their home together. Charmaine offers individual and group coaching services through her business, MyAlignLife.ca. Charmaine is an advocate of total health for all, and herself finds this through movement. Since 2022, she has been exploring and refinding her connection to universal energy source, where she has experienced what can be only described as miracles. So welcome back, Charmaine. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. It's a pleasure to be back. And I can't say, you know, the word miracles and universal energy source without asking you more about those before we dive into the topic. So can you tell us a little more? Absolutely. So as I have been on this journey, I started studying consciousness and energy and vibrational frequencies and uh, Dr. David Hawkins' work. And um, through that work, he kept mentioning A Course in Miracles, A Course in Miracles. And this 
in June 2022, I picked up the Course in Miracles. And what I found is that it, the practice for myself has been the embodiment of all of the learning that I have been doing the past few years on nervous system regulation, emotional freedom techniques, NLP, and the body, and consciousness. And so uh, the Course in Miracles has really been the catalyst for me to really be able to embody all of these teachings and to understand why all of these teachings are so potent and why they work so well. Amazing. So all of those skills and trainings have come together to manifest in your life, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. And like connect with the spiritual side of us and of me and of us. Nice. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing. Um, And then let's dive into the topic today. So libido, so many women struggle with low libido, women that thought it wouldn't be them where they had, you know, a lot of pleasure and a a healthy and vibrant sexual life. But then they might have had kids, you know, hormones started to fluctuate, life circumstances changed. And I know so many of my patients and our listeners are just like, oh, sex is just becoming another thing on my to-do list it's like I'd rather just sit and watch tv um <laughs> I, do you hear that a lot too oh no it just makes me sad because I, I know that woman <laughs> that's right oh um but what do you see as some major causes of low libido in midlife and in perimenopause great question so for from my perspective and also from the research that I've been doing the there's like major causes of libido are like threefold. So the hormonal changes, which, you know, naturopaths like yourself and sex experts like yourself um, would be able to, I don't know if I'm a sex expert, but (laughs) oh, like a naturopath. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. Hormones. Yep. Yeah. Hormones. And actually um, a naturopath and sex expert, Juliana Hernandez says something um, that actually resonated with me. And she said, like, hormones are the body's messengers coordinating our physical, emotional, and sexual well-being. And as women, we must honor these changes and embrace our body's wisdom. So with the hormonal changes, that's a little bit out of my scope. However, when she talks about embracing the body's wisdom, that's where I kind of come in. From my perspective, and the two things that I can really support women with low libido in midlife are the stress and fatigue. So there was a study published um, in 2016 that found that stress was one of the primary factors that actually contribute to not wanting to have sex and having low desire for sex because you're just so stressed about all the other things in life. Mm -hmm. And of course, it all comes down to women being emotional beings and needing to feel connected with our partner on a non-sexual level in order for us to open up sexually. So because we have these unresolved emotions, whether they're emotions with ourselves, like with our partners or with other people in our lives, these emotional issues are actually in our orbit, like our beingness, whether in our body tissues or our emotional being in our hearts. And 
when we have those emotional, um, negative emotional experiences, these unresolved issues, it's actually bringing down our vibrational frequency. It's bringing down our level of consciousness and that affects our perception of how we navigate into the world and how we behave in the world and how we want to open up and receive from the world. So the emotional factors is the biggest factor, I would say, for low libido when we are taught to deal with it later, push it down. (laughs) You know, Mm. we don't have time for this right now. We're pushing down these negative feelings, which can, and a lot of women I work with are pushing down current negative feelings, which are building on the past traumas, the past negative beliefs that they've already experienced in life. So those things when we were really young that felt icky, those glares from older men that felt icky that we just pushed in and we didn't really work through it, they can cut to surface again and we can start to feel that way towards our partner, even though they're not really being icky, they just love us. <laughs> so. Yeah, interesting. So we're kind of transferring those experiences and beliefs to our partner. And it's interesting. Yeah. Is there a reason like why it shows up a little later in life? Like maybe we're okay, you know, when the relationship starts before we have kids. And then, you know, I guess with having kids, there's so many more emotional, (laughs) emotional (laughs) challenges to deal, deal and work through. Um, But can you share a bit about that? Yeah. So what I would say is if you think of a any vessel, right? If you think of the body as a vessel, any vessel, look at our coffee cup. That's probably in front of you right now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) If you look at your coffee cup, you can only pour, you know, so many ounces of coffee in this mug. And same with our emotions. If we're pushing, 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 imagine pushing more coffee, more coffee into this mug until it's filled to the brim. And now it's all mixed up. It doesn't matter if it was yesterday's coffee or if it's today's coffee, it's just full. And now you add one more drop and it's going to spill out over the vessel. And it's the same thing with our emotions. The more we stuff them down, the more mixed and muddled they become. And so we're unable to separate that. I'm not really angry at you. I'm angry at my past you know, ex-boyfriend or whatever it was, my past experience, but I haven't dealt with that. (laughs) I don't have time Mm -hmm. to deal with that. And I don't have time to deal with what's really pissing me off in the moment. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. And it could be something really small. Like you don't want to be touched right now and your partner does. Yeah, I remember when I was breastfeeding Stuart, I felt like I had, you know, I was being touched so much that it was something that I was like, I just need my body to be my own for a little bit. <laughs> like You're giving, 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 right? So I did experience that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think, yeah, the time factor is a big one. So a lot of women listening are like, yeah, I know there's things I need to address and bring up, but I'm just on survival mode. I'm just barely hanging by a thread trying to get through the day. And if I open up this can of worms, do I have the capacity and energy to deal with it? Like, how can we start to approach emptying that vessel without crashing and (laughs) burning? I love this question, because it's one of the questions that I get um, 
with everyone <laughs> when I say things like the body actually allows us to renegotiate and heal faster than talking about it would. So mm. one of the things with the movement medicine method and with using movement and somatics as a tool is the fact that we don't have to necessarily even talk about the situation or the issue that we can have this language, this experience with the body, with two bodies observing each other and um, moving together so that we can renegotiate how it feels to be touched, for example. Mm, so yeah, it's not talking about it, bringing up, you know, this happened to me, or I didn't like when this happened, but it's actually using as you prescribe movement medicine. So I want to unpack that a little bit more. How do you how do you kind of assess what somebody needs in terms of the types of movements? And what does it look like for somebody suffering from low libido? Well, I like I will say right off the bat that the increase in libido and the increase in desire and, and openness to explore the body in a sexual way was definitely not my intention. Okay, <laughs> when yeah. I was exploring movement and as I was sharing movement medicine with my clients, increased libido and um, openness to explore sexually has been a byproduct and has been a consistent byproduct with, you know, with my clients. And that's why I thought it would be great to speak about today. Great. Yep. So one way I, if you're open to it, let's do a little exploration, uh, sure. exploring pleasure and exploring pleasure with touch and it'll just be our own touch. So maybe with your dominant hand, let's take your dominant hand and place it palm up, just in front of you, palm up. And maybe rest your elbows on, elbow on the, on the table in front of you if you'd like, if your hand gets tired. And then with your non-dominant hand, just place one finger, your pointer finger, in the center of your palm. Okay. And now I haven't told you how hard or soft to place that finger. I simply said, place that finger. And so you automatically have decided how hard, how soft, how much pressure, where is the middle for yourself? So already you're making a decision on what feels good. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now we're just going to start to move your finger around your palm and try to move really slowly. And again, you're going to move your finger how it feels good for you. Some of us may tr begin already to trace the hand with the finger. Others will maybe go in circles around the palm. 
just notice how your non-dominant hand is exploring your dominant hand, your dominant palm. Notice the speed. Notice the pressure. And then notice how your dominant hand is receiving, is taking this exploration. And just notice here. And just like that, (laughs) in this way, we are beginning to explore pleasure through movement. And we're also exploring how we receive pleasure. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. Yeah, what I was doing was, yeah, it was a light um, touch with my finger. And at first I was going in circular motions and my dominant hand that was resting was trying to reach up and kind of hold like tension while the other hand was, you know, lightly caressing it. And then I was like, why am I tightening that? I need to relax that. And then I started tracing the lines on my hand and started to kind of relax into that, into that movement. So it was, yeah, there was a lot more going on than I thought there would be. Yeah, exactly. And if we do it with the eyes closed as well, it just, you can add another dimension to this little act. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. So does that, does that exercise represent anything about me or other people in terms of how it manifests or like, what can we learn from that and in, in kind of integrate? I love this question, Lisa. And Pardon me for using your uh, question as an example. That's okay. We love to get into our heads, mm-hmm. right? We're like, okay, so what does it say about me if I like the gentle <laughs> touch? What does it say that I felt like I needed to relax? What does it mean about me as a person? When the, the point of this exercise, the, the invitation of this exercise is exploring our pleasure. And I think the need for analyzing what this means about us kind of comes from the same source that denies us or keeps us from experiencing pleasure is this, I have to have a reason. (laughs) (laughs) So true, right? Whatever. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's so fascinating. Yeah, it's like, why can't we just experience pleasure for pleasure? I think, you know, a lot of us have in our mind that, you know, pleasure isn't productive. It's not checking something off your to-do list. And, you know, I know subconsciously and even consciously the benefits of play and pleasure and having a six-year-old I'm incorporating definitely more play and looking at you know a lot more fun but I think there's still room to incorporate and receive more pleasure in my life but why are we why are we denying ourselves pleasure (laughs) such a good question again I think the denial of pleasure comes from you know three sort of main well two more main sources and one would be the societal conditioning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
society often teaches women that we need to be productive, that we need to be doing something, we need to be heading somewhere, we need to be giving. And so pleasure gets lumped in with taking in a negative way, when actual taking is it's a gift to the person who is giving. Mm-hmm. And the hand that was taking, um, I love how you shared that it was tense, that the body was, wasn't used to the taking yet. And that after a certain point, you were like, oh, I need to relax this hand. So you can take, so you can receive the pleasure from the other hand. And society doesn't often allow for us. Um, I think there's a, somebody, I don't remember who it was, said, you know, one of the most radical acts that women can do is to commit to their own pleasure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the big elephant in the room, right? The big elephant in the room, why do we deny ourselves pleasure is our body issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're so insecure, myself included, about our bodies and how our bodies look and how they should look or move or feel. And one of the things that somatic practices and movement allows for us is this deeper relationship, a positive relationship with our body. And when we have this positive relationship with our body, we have this radical self-acceptance. It's radical self-acceptance, this confidence that is just innate. It's really deep rooted. And when we have that confidence, this relationship that builds this confidence, I believe, and I've seen it over and over again, is that it opens up this ability, the ability, the capacity to actually experience pleasure. Because one of the things physiologically, and I, and I say this with you know, complete open honesty that one of the, the things physiology, physiologically is when we have our biggest orgasms, our bodies are in the most relaxed state. You cannot have an orgasm if you are tense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And somatic movement practices actually teach our bodies remind our bodies what it's like to relax deeply, not surface level. I'm going to watch TV and relax and still my body is tense. It's like deep relaxation, which opens up that ability for those big orgasms and for those um, moments of connection. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. It's like the ultimate letting go, right? Being in the moment, not worrying about, oh, how does my body look? Just totally being in the moment, relaxed and allowing that orgasm to come is when it is when it can happen. So Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think it's, you know, important to hear that we all deserve pleasure now. We don't need anything to change about our circumstances, our body. And I don't think um, some of our listeners believe that, right? So how can we draw drive that home? <laughs> and how do we build some of that confidence with our body and ourselves where we are now? I love this question. So one a big of question. The, things, <laughs> the big question, it's a big question. 
and I'm up to the challenge. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I know you always are. I love it. <laughs> the biggest things, right? The biggest thing is that we're utilizing small practices. Like how can we find pleasure in this moment? And it doesn't have to be sexual pleasure, right? You, you know, I love when people uh, and my husband and my partner, like when my mom even like caresses my skin or like tickles my back or plays with my hair. I love that physical sensation and that relaxation and that touch. And so it's really important to, for us to kind of notice, even if you're taking a shower, like this is something we can do every single day is how can you find pleasure in the shower? Now, even though we're naked, how can we find pleasure in the shower without it necessarily being sexual? Without, without the undertone of, oh, I'm going to masturbate or whatever it is. It's like just soaping up your body. How can you enjoy touch, your own touch, in a way that allows you to feel good? And in this way, I have found some of the most loving touches are around my folds. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the C-section shelf, the folds that are around my body. In between those folds, there's this untouched skin that when you touch it, it's like all these nerve endings come alive. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it can become very sexual and arousing. And it can also just be um, like those feel-good hormones. Like serotonin can flood through your system because you're allowing yourself to enjoy these moments of, of pleasure. Uh, one of, and water is a great way, right? Shower is mm -hmm. a great way. Uh, but something as simple as walking. If you walk bare feet, barefoot around your home, how can you, how can your foot, the bottom of your foot receive the support from the ground? So, and, and how can you find pleasure in that walk? And a lot of it does have to do with slowing down. So mindfully, mindfully moving. That's a challenge for a lot of our listeners, I think. But I like starting it with something like, yeah, you're in the shower. You're not doing anything else. So that's a good way to easily focus. And then if you're walking around the house, you know, just really focused on the sensation that you're feeling from the ground and on your feet. So really uh, simplifying it in that respect. Yes. And like one of the things that's really important for women and for everyone really is to integrate movement and these practices into our daily routines and our daily and our daily lives because there is no extra time. <laughs> Nobody has that extra hour where all of a sudden we don't have anything to do. And so when we integrate it into our daily lives, that's when the magic happens. You might think, oh well, it's only 30 seconds that I'm exploring my palm while I'm on the subway. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. That 30 seconds over the course of a week, over the course of, you know, a few months actually reminds your body over and over and over again 
what pleasure is like. And then you'll notice that if you do it 30 seconds a day, a couple times a day, you'll find the uh, effects to be much quicker. But it's yeah, those so 30 it's seconds. Done over and over. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. Like just repeated. And actually, there was this. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. I said, yeah, you go ahead. Yeah. There was actually a study in, um, I forget where it was, but it was a, a review exploring the effectiveness of mindfulness for sexual functioning in women. And the study actually found that mindfulness practices and, and movement actually improved sexual desire for all the women in the study, some more than others, um, but for all the women in the study. So it was pretty amazing. So powerful. Yeah, I love, um, I have different kind of techniques to bring myself into my body. So after I do a workout, I do a lot of stretching and breathing and just like paying attention to my body. And then I have one of those um, acupressure rings that you can kind of roll on your finger. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I'll hold different like um, gems or stones and just to see what they feel like. So I'm trying to be more, those are really good kind of mindful practices. And then when I'm even walking, just when it's really windy, it's amazing what the wind can feel like on your skin, right? It's like you're being caressed almost. So <laughs> just shifting your um, perception and retraining your awareness. These, these sensations can be felt like a lot mm-hmm. of the time, right? If we're just like you said, mindful, and that's really promising that it really does help boost libido because a lot of times we don't think that being mindful outside of you know starting or initiating intercourse or sexual activity with a partner is gonna make much of a difference but it sounds like it obviously translates into those interactions mm-hmm, mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely and, and then how can we, um, with our partner, what are some small ways, like if people haven't been sexually active for a while and they want to start to open that door, but it feels maybe a bit daunting to just jump in and, you know, have intercourse. What are some simple, small things to do together? I love this question. Uh, so many good questions today, Lisa. <laughs> yeah, well, you're the muse. <laughs> you're my muse. <laughs> Uh, What I love is with our partners, um, something similar, right, is exploring touch with each other in a, without any expectation in a non-sexual touch. And um, you'll be surprised how, when I started initiating this and actually asking my partner for more non-sexual touch, it was really cool. Like, We'd be holding hands um, and, you know, we've been married for, we've been together for 21 years. And so (laughs) we'll be holding hands and part of my brain will go back to like, oh, you know, is he going to move it up? Is it going to go on my leg? Is it going to go anywhere? Like it goes back (laughs) to that teenage as if we're dating again. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And it's really, really nice. Yeah. Because that excitement is there and it's not in a way that is he's not expecting anything and it's not I don't feel that energy from him yet my mind wants to go there right so maybe I will then be the one to initiate it moving further or give him a look mm. to say take tonight <laughs> 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 the 
could spark that uh, flame by just, yeah, if you're out for a walk, holding hands together, I guess, if you're sitting on the couch, like rubbing each other's feet, or do you have other sort of examples to, to start that physical non-sexual touch? I, I love, I love that um, being around each other, uh, putting your hand on the small of their back is really grounding and really sends a message of I've got your back. And when a woman, and you can straight up ask your partner, please don't expect them like to think that they're listening to this podcast. <laughs> just <laughs> tell them, <laughs> just tell them, listen, love, what I would love for you to do on occasion is put your hand on my back and just just hold me on the small of my back for a couple of moments while we're discussing what's for dinner or whatever it is, right? Throughout our days. Mm -hmm. And you can straight up tell them this will help me and remind me that you are always there for me, which helps me get in the mood. Like, I feel of like- Of course they're going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> right? If you tell it, if you present it that way- <laughs> They're going to give you non-sexual touch all the time, <laughs> uh, but it will actually help your system because we think of our nervous system when we're stressed, going back to one of the reasons why we're not having as much pleasure. When our nervous system is in a very stressful state, we first need to bring that state down into a restful, safe feeling state. And if we're going into, okay, I just finished my day and, and everything's, you know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then jump into bed and be like, okay, let's do this. We're still in that high level, that high stressful state. If we have these reminders throughout the day, these physical touch reminders throughout the day or evening where our partners are grounding our bodies, our nervous system by placing this hand on the small of our back. And, you know, just hold, just light pressure, just holding it, just holding us. That helps our nervous system move away from this stressful fight or flight into a more restful, rest and digest state, which then allows us to experience pleasure and allows us to have that capacity uh, and desire for pleasure. And we're not attacking, mm. <laughs> we're not attacking the bedroom, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. We're easing into it. Mm -hmm. That's so powerful. And I think that a lot of women struggle though with asking for what they want. So I like that it's a smaller ask to begin with, right? Because some women don't um, voice what they need or what they want in bed. And this is a, a starting point to kind of practice that muscle, if you will. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. When we start to ask for things outside of the bedroom, we can get very chatty in the bedroom <laughs> over time, if that's what you want. And also it might not be, you might try it and say, Nope, I don't want to talk. <laughs> Everybody's different. So it's amazing that this came out as a side benefit of using movement medicine for, it sounds like, yeah, for trauma, for emotional challenges, but this was a natural outcome from, from doing that sort of work. 
And is there anything else we need to know about reigniting pleasure and libido using uh, movement medicine for that? Absolutely. I would say that when we're, when we're trying to, when not we're trying, when we are intending to increase our libido, one of the things we want to do is really foster this self-love and confidence in our own bodies. When we have a relationship with our body, with ourselves, (laughs) then it's, um, a whole nother experience that words are not coming to me right now on how we relate with other people's and our body, like mm-hmm. our partner's body and our body. So using somatic movements, using movement and explorations to, and touch to, um, to really allow for that fostering of self-confidence and self-love for all the folds and places in between. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's so powerful to touch those areas that you're sometimes your mind's battling against, or you're trying to make look a different way, but just feeling it for the way that it is and enjoying that. Exactly. You know, one of the things that um, I experienced when I went for a waxing appointment, actually. I'm glad this is a perimenopausal podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so I went for like a waxing, um, for bikini waxing. And the woman, she's known me since I was like 15. And so she was waxing and she's like, you know, you, you've gained a bit of weight around or talking about my C-section scar or something like this. And she's very blunt and she's always been blunt and I love her for that. Right. And she had said, you know, you've gained a little bit of weight or something like that. Oh no, I'm lying. I said, oh, I'm so fat. I've gained weight and blah, blah, blah. And she said to me, Charmaine, you are so lucky because you have been able to birth babies with mm-hmm. this body. I have not been able wow. to do that. Wow. And I was just like, right then and there, all of the, I hate my body (laughs) flew out of me and was just like, oh my gosh, like this, this C-section shelf, this roll, these, um, this extra skin, this fat, (laughs) right? All of this has been able to birth babies. And I'm very, very grateful for that. And I wouldn't change it for anything else. And having that appreciation from somebody else (laughs) and then also Mm -hmm. for myself really helped me to appreciate my own body in that way, that it doesn't have to be looking any, any sort of way because it's functioning exactly how it's meant to. That's so powerful. I love that because, yeah, we have this idea of what our body should look like and mostly comes from society, but we are what we are and there's benefits, right? I know some people who have unfortunately had cancer and they can't eat regular food, right? So they're not able to enjoy that and, you know, they're losing weight. And as you said, some people can't have children and that obviously changes our body after. So it's reframing um, and looking at the benefits that our body has provided us with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And our bodies are constantly, constantly striving for 
homeostasis for balance. And they are, they're doing so much under the surface that we take for granted all the time, even breathing, talking, (laughs) you know, (laughs) all of the little things that it's such a complex system that it's doing to keep us alive and happy. And when we start to show that gratitude and that love towards it, it really does amplify what it's already doing, which is miracles. <laughs> mm-hmm. That really is. It is miraculous what the body does on a regular basis. And I think you've um, left our listeners with some very tangible and simple ways to start to experience pleasure on their own and with their partner and to feel more comfortable and accepting of their body. And then down the road leading to, you know, some increase in libido, um, but I know they can work with you one-on-one to do that. So can you tell us how do, how, what kind of people do you work with? How does that work? What does that look like? So I actually work with women, usually women who are 40 plus, um, and I help them to connect with their bodies and use movement to increase their confidence in their authenticity and to show up in all areas of life as their most authentic self. And so the way that women can work with me actually has a free five-day immersive experience to really get a full experience of what it's like to work with me. And it's the Align to Wealth Frequency Challenge. Because I believe that women can always have more wealth, whether it is an abundance of love, an abundance of financial wealth, but wealth in all areas of our life. Great. So we'll share that link for sure. I would love to take part. Is that like, do you get a video every day or what is, what does the commitment look like for that? Oh, I love that. It is five days and it is a live immersive experience one hour ish per day (laughs) and so what we'll do is we'll meet every day and we'll have uh, activities that we do together I'll do a little bit of teaching and we actually do activities last time that I ran this particular event we had women who literally changed their entire story with abundance and poverty and just looked at really renegotiated childhood experiences that they had been holding on to. And uh, so it's been quite uh, powerful. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So I've got to, I got to take part. (laughs) Oh yes, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So we'll share that with our listeners and then how else can people connect with you, follow you? What else do you have to share? Definitely come and join me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Charmaine Aligned. And, and that's that Charmaine is, with two E's, yeah. Yes. S-H-A-R-M-E-E-N-A-L-I-G-N-E-D. And uh, from that, from my Facebook profile, you can also join my Facebook group which is facebook.com slash groups slash my aligned living. And if you're on Instagram, you can find me on Instagram at instagram.com 
aligned Charmin and I'm active in my stories, but not so much my page. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's some great ways for people to connect. So we'll share all of those links in the show notes. Um, and then are we ready to move on to the last part of the podcast or did you want to say anything else or do you feel like you covered everything? Everything for a podcast anyway. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. So yeah, yeah um, it just cut out. So I'll, uh, so if I just ask that again, did you feel like everything we covered that you wanted to? Yep. Yes, absolutely. My last little moment would be to just say that your body loves you. And when we start loving the body back, you'll really be able to feel and notice just how much your body loves you. Oh, I love that. That's so powerful. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so we'll move on now to the last part of the podcast. So we'll share first our super mom moment. Do you want me to go first? Sure. Okay. Um, so I was sick this past week. I had a bit of a sore throat and my stomach was a little off. And I learned from the last time I was sick when I had strep throat that lasted a little too long when I was trying to push and do all the things that this time I really needed to just slow down. So I was looking forward to, we had a lot of fun plans this weekend. And technically I could have gone because I probably wasn't contagious and I was feeling a bit better, but I knew I still needed to rest. So I missed out on some plans. I had to skip the yoga show, which I was looking forward to going to. But I knew that's what my body needed. Because even after I went for a walk, I'd feel a little bit drained. So I really, you know, rested and prioritized that. So now I'm feeling amazing. So that's my super mom moment. It's hard to just let yourself rest and recover. Um, and Charmaine, what's your super mom moment? I love that you rested. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> Thanks. I want to keep resting. It's Monday. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> Uh, my super mom moment is similar. I spent the entire weekend outside with the kids and I, my kids are older. So they're, they're riding their bikes around our little town, a little bit more, our little neighborhood. And, uh, so I've let them ride to the store Ooh, <laughs> and nice. they went shopping to buy some ice cream or something. And I got on my bike and I rode around with them and I didn't, even though I wanted to come back home, we actually extended the ride this weekend and we went around two blocks and it was great. Oh, right. <laughs> really big blocks. Yeah, it was really good. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So movement medicine through bike riding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, awesome. and just not stopping even though I wanted to and just letting myself have fun in bike ride with kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, being in the moment and just enjoying. I love that. So thank you for sharing. Um, and I know we're doing the best we can, but we might be able to think of a mama mess up so I can um, go first. So this morning, Stuart was, you know, dilly dallying and, you know, trying to play with his toys before we had to walk to school. So I got a little impatient and a little bit frustrated. My voice didn't raise too much, but I was a little bit short with him. Um, but then, you know, I made up 
up for it because when we were walking, I apologized to him and I said, I'm sorry, Stuart, I'm going to tell you what I could have done differently in that moment. I could have taken a few breaths and asked you how much time you needed. And then if there was enough time for you to do that, I would have given you that time before we left. And then I asked him, you know, what he thought he could do better. And he said, I could have gotten ready a little bit quicker. Um, And he said, sorry. So I turned it, I think, into a super mom moment. But, you know, it's easy, especially Monday morning when you're on a schedule to just get a little frustrated when they're getting distracted and not helping. So (laughs) that was my mama mess up. Um, But Charmaine, can you think of one? I know you're doing a great job, but is there anything you want to share? Oh, I think we're always messing up. And if we're not messing up, then we're not. <laughs> I think that we're kidding ourselves. I don't think we're involved right. if we're not messing up. <laughs> yes, Stuart says to me now, his favorite expression is, mommy, nothing's perfect. Because <laughs> I would say, oh, perfect. Oh, perfect. Just like commenting on things. But yep. I like I like that saying. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so true. Uh, yeah. So similarly, I find that I have a... One of the things that gets me short is uh, excessive technology use by my kids. Mm -hmm. And so if I've asked a couple of times to be done, I really mean be done at this moment, not five minutes from now. And they know this. And so after they got off their computers, I kind of, I didn't shout, but I, I spilled over a whole bunch of put your cream on and get sunscreen on and then do this and then do that and then do this. And my my eldest literally was like, I can only do one thing at a time. (laughs) And I was like, okay, yes, you're right. And I just let him, I was like, just do the list that I just said, right? And then we got into the car and I said to him, I'm really sorry, I shouldn't have, you know, I shouldn't have given you three or four things at the same time. And it was really just the fact that I was waiting for you to get off the computer that, you know, I felt like I needed to give you all the instructions all at once. So he was okay. He understood. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think we've all been there, right? We're making up for that, that last time, but we'll do an awesome job. (laughs) And now we'll share our mama must have. So mine is. Oh, I've shared this one before, but the beekeepers. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, you were just cutting out that you're back now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, perfect. Okay. So I'll share my mama must have now. So I don't think I've shared this before, but when I had a sore throat, I was using the bee naturals throat spray so it's a propolis spray um, and you just put four sprays at the back of the throat and let it sit there Um, and actually just the old school gargling can really make a difference too so you know if it's not strapped sometimes those can be enough I do like some internal garlic capsules as well it can be enough to get rid of it so the beekeepers naturals propolis throat spray is great and they even have one for kids with honey when they're experiencing a sore throat you can use that so that's my mama must have and Charmaine, what's yours? I love that. Mine is a cream, and I wish I had it in front of me because I can't remember the name of it. It is a hydrating skin cream, but it's not even a cream, it's like a serum. And I have been using that since we went to Mexico in February because it's been really dry. My skin is really dry. 
And I've noticed that it just like soaks in to the skin and it actually makes me feel really hydrated. And I'm really loving that, that cream right that now. Actually, wonderful. I've gotten my kid, my kid to use it because he's got eczema. So <laughs> Great. Yeah. Very moisturizing. That sounds like a, a really good mama must have. I'm glad we're coming out of the winter weather, but we still need some good, some good creams for sure. So thank you for sharing. And thanks again, Charmaine, for joining us today. Everybody check out episode 79 as well. When Charmaine was a guest before, um, I, I love all the information you shared. Everybody go ahead and pick one of those techniques with for yourself and with you and your partner. And I think that's going to make a huge difference. Just small, changes done consistently um, so thanks again and we'll share all of the links you talked about um, and I'll share now what Tony has going on so she has a hypnobirthing class coming up I think it actually starts um, this week but I'm sure she'll have another one and I believe they are now in person she may still be doing some virtual ones she's in Calgary um, so you can go to her website hypnobirthing.com uh, calgary.com to check that out. I'm launching a perimenopausal wild collective group um, for women in the Toronto area. And I'm excited to share the details. I have a free in-person and virtual masterclass or info session coming up. So you can go to our perimenopausal mama's Instagram bio to get the information for that. And thanks again for joining us today. You can email us or connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. We'd love you to subscribe, leave us a review and a five-star rating if you enjoyed this episode. And you can share our information in this episode with a friend as well. You can support us by visiting our Patreon page. And please tell your perimenopausal friends about us too. So stay safe and healthy, everyone. Thanks again, Charmaine. Thanks. Thanks.